Hey guys, I'm Court. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to another episode of The The Castle Chat. Chat. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of our Disney-inspired podcast. Each week we will dive into the history, details, and fun facts of a World Showcase Pavilion. Join us this week as we continue into Japan. Want to experience more magic with us outside of this episode? Be sure to follow us on all socials at The Castle Chat. If you love what you hear, please leave us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify so we can continue to build this community. Are you ready to jump into the episode? Let's chat about it. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Starting with our global greetings for yet another episode of Where in the World Showcase. I'm so pumped we're in Japan. I am so pumped about this episode because I love this pavilion. It's one of my favorites. I spend a lot of time here. I eat here a lot. Um, So before we jump into all that is the Japan pavilion, we got to do our global greetings. So sure do. we're going to start where you should start more showcase, which is Mexico. So let's go. All right. Hola. Hello. Ni hao. Hello. Ciao. Howdy. Konnichiwa. Yeah, we made it all the way from Mexico to Japan. Woohoo. Episode seven of this series. So we're rolling. We are. I can't believe we're already on episode seven this is a great pavilion so much to enjoy here great food good entertainment so i'm really excited for us to break this down if you are just now joining us in this series then you've got some other episodes to go get caught up on um so take a pause go listen to those and head back here later if you are still with us on this journey thanks for making it to japan with us we're so excited you're here with us and um In this episode, we will be breaking down a lot of the architecture and landmarks that we see in these pavilions, food and drinks, attractions, shopping, etc. So that when you visit this this attraction, when you visit this pavilion, you will walk in knowing maybe more than you did before this episode. And that is our goal. And to share some fun facts and just things that we have learned about this pavilion over our research and over time. So are you excited to talk about japan uh yeah i am do you spend when you are like making your way around world showcase do you find yourself in japan often or is it one that you typically skip i find myself here um for fireworks or for um getting some sushi i do like eating in this pavilion so i find myself there sometimes i will wander back into the large gift shop at the back which we will talk about in a little bit so it is one that I do spend a little bit of time in then again I feel like I'm one of those people where I don't spend like a ton of time in any pavilion because I'm just like an on-the-go Disney gal like I don't linger a lot anywhere (laughs) that's like a big difference I feel like between you and I like you are a much slower paced Disneyer Disneyer is that even a thing it is now it is now um whereas I'm like I just feel like I'm the Tasmanian devil. I'm just like bebopping everywhere, spinning in circles. You can't catch me. 
I mean, hey, there are many ways to do Disney, and that is one of them, and that's totally fine. I am somebody that when I'm in Disney, I want to oh, say hello to oh, baby, baby Taj. Baker. Baby Taj is here. He's going to make some appearances. So Yes, he's excited about Japan, too. Um, yeah. You love the sushi? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a new thing for the castle chat here. So I okay, but from the last episode, I did hear the, from the feedback that they love it. They love the baby coos. Oh, um, we've got to cry. Yep, there's a cry. So unsure if you like that, <laughs> but we're just rolling with the punches here. This is definitely a new season for the castle chat. Working mom life. What can I say? I think the point is when I go to Disney, I take my time because I like to eat. And I like to drink things and I like to see what's in the shops. So, yes, I take my Disney trips a little bit slower in pace, but there's still so much to see and do that you just like to get it all done really quick. And when I go, I just see like one or two things because yeah. I'm taking my time. I am like beelining to the next attraction and Kate's like three pavilions behind me um sipping on something or chowing down on something so i i love that we are so different in that way because in the castle chat you just get the best of both worlds you just balance you get a balance of yin and yang different ways to do disney so do you find yourself hanging out in this specific pavilion i would say more than others yeah i would say that um in my years of being a Disney goer, I've probably eaten in the Japan Pavilion maybe second most compared to all the other pavilions. I probably eat the most in Mexico, but second, I have had dining reservations and done quick service and done festival booths and a lot of the different things that they have to offer in Japan, probably more than a lot of the other pavilions. So I I do spend a lot of time here. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we'll get into food a little bit later, but let's talk a little bit about like the landmarks, architecture, the stuff that we can visually see in this pavilion, because there's quite a lot going on, I feel like, as compared to other pavilions. For sure. I think with the construction of this pavilion, um, there is more so than plenty of the other ones. There's like attempts at replicas of actual structures that you'll find in Japan. And so um, the first thing I think that catches your attention when you walk into the Japan Pavilion is the bright red Tori Gate. It is very beautiful um, and it I like the where it is positioned so you can see the lagoon and um, it's a very welcoming part of this area. Yeah, from the research that I did, the Tori Gate is a symbol of transition in um, Buddhist and Shinto practices. Um, And so this Tori Gate is a transition, I think, maybe because where it sits in World Showcase Lagoon, it's like a transition from Future World into World Showcase because what you're looking at straight through the Tori Gate is actually Spaceship Earth. I love that. Yeah. Like, I mean... Just thinking about them placing that and what you'll see through it and speaking of it meaning transition like it just works so well yeah i love intentionality behind their design like that but um yeah it's definitely a great photo spot it's definitely going to catch your attention even if you're like on the other side of world showcase you can see it um so i think that that's probably one of the 
most notable landmarks in this pavilion. But after that, the next thing that um, is going to catch your attention is going to be what's called the Gojinoto Pagoda. This thing is massive. It's so massive. And the thing that's shocking to me is that it literally is a building to be a building. Like, they're, you can't go inside it. I wish that they would repurpose that in a way. Like, if you're going to build a structure that large, like, have something inside of it. Yeah, I think, and we'll talk about this for another part of this episode later on, but there aren't any characters that you can really do a meet and greet with for Japan. And I feel like they did that well in Norway where they took a building that was just a building and now you can go meet Anna and Elsa in it. And so, you know, that type of structure um, or that type of activity in those buildings that are a little bit smaller makes sense. And so I guess there's just not really anything that they could think to use it for. Um, I'm sure they use it for like storage, but I will use it as my personal home. I mean, yeah. if they want to let me move in, I will throw a bed in there and, you know, home sweet home in the Japan Pavilion. Yeah. Right there on Disney property. Why not? What if they made it like a special paid thing that you could um, like there's like an elevator that takes you to the top and you could watch the fireworks or something from wow. there. Exclusive firework watching. I mean, can you imagine I, the demand, though, like the wait list for that? Yeah, but obviously they probably make a lot of money off of it. I mean, that's I mean, what they're all about. They what, wanna, what would they charge? I don't know. Like, I mean, they do, like, what is it? It's however many hundred an hour for the VIP tours. Yeah, like, it like, starts at $400, I think. Is for, like, a group of up to 12 or something like that. So, I mean, you could do, like, $500 for a group of 10 for the fireworks come sit on the roof (laughs) yeah i mean there are some people out there that would probably pay to do it which is crazy but i don't even know if you can access that top floor who knows but it is called the gojinoto pagoda and it does have more intentionality and meaning behind it do you want to talk a little bit about that yes so this is a very popular area for you to see the let me try and see if i can pronounce this right matsuria matsuriza yeah, I think I would say like Matsuriza. Matsuriza drummers. But that might be totally wrong too. These are super talented drummers that come out on the like deck area around the edge of this building and put on a fantastic drumming show. Have they been back since the pandemic? I, I don't remember. I don't I haven't seen them. I don't believe so. I'm trying to think about like if I heard them when I was just recently there and I don't think I saw them doesn't mean that you know I could have just been walking by when they weren't there yeah kind of like we were talking about in China where they used to have the acrobatic performers they also had like a version of that in Italy as well Um, a lot of these performers in the pavilions did not return after um, the parks reopened and so I don't know if the drummers are still there Um, I do know that they're like an actual group and you can see them in other places outside of the parks. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, But as far as their, I mean, they were like a staple of the Japan Pavilion for many years. So maybe they'll come back um, or maybe they are back and I just haven't seen them yet. But anyway, yes, they perform on that bottom floor of the pagoda. And then the design of the pagoda, there are five levels and each of those levels 
represent uh, like essential, um, what is it? What am I trying to say? An element. An, an element, yes. An essential on, element. Elemental. Oh, yeah, maybe that's <laughs> what they could put in there. Oh, wow. Because elements and elements. Because, because elements. I mean. <laughs> Anyways, um, so the five essential elements um, are. Earth, water. water. I'm like trying to think of. You got it. You got it. Water, earth, earth wind, or air, fire, and what's the fifth one? Void. Okay. I don't know if I've ever heard of void I, being yeah, an like, element, mm, but what? But black. I got earth, wind, and fire because I was thinking of the band. Mm. I was going in Guardians. order in my head. Yeah, for sure. So that's pretty cool. I mean, that's obviously cultural and a nod at um, things that are important to the Japanese culture. Yeah, I um, know that Avatar The Last Airbender is something that isn't necessarily specifically Japanese, but that's kind of what it brings to my mind. And so I don't know if there's any Disney IP where Avatar of some kind could be represented in that building, but or just some, like like we said, elemental kind of plays into what the meaning of the building is. I don't know that there's actually a space for it, but um Get you me. know, just just use the building. I want to see what it's like on the inside. Can you imagine though like a meet and greet with like Wade? Like how would they make water and like, like- I think it would be like Turtle Talk with Crush. Mm, yes. Like okay. you're seeing into Element City, but Ugh. Or or we're oh. we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're already talking. Oh about, that could be something we could add as an attraction okay, to this no, area. No, no. But here's here's the other thing that would make sense okay. here. They have it in Disneyland. It's a little bit of a like stretch, but San Francisco. <laughs> it's like a meet of San Francisco and Tokyo, which Tokyo is obviously in Japan. So maybe we meet Baymax here. Ooh, remember when you used to be able to meet Baymax? Yes. Where was that? It was like one side of the room you could go meet Baymax, and the other side of the room it was like something total polar opposite. I, I think it was remember. Joy. You could meet Joy. Or, yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. and it was in the center of like well, not the center when you walked through where it's the being old um the center of uh, I'm future struggling world. with worlds. Yeah, when you're like going it's, under towards Test Track, yeah, it was like a, in it's one like of those areas, World Celebration or whatever. It's yes. Now. Um, I have a picture with Baymax. Yeah, so I that's under construction right now. So I think that it will reopen. It's like the character warehouse or character spot that's or what something. It, yeah, character spot. I think yeah. that was the name of it. And it would like it was. I think it was Baymax and Joy for quite a while. But I think it in my years of trying to go back in my brain, I think it was other things as well. But that is a great thing to put over here. Now my gears are turning in mm-hmm. regards to like what could we put in this pavilion. I'm like, let's just throw up a big old show building and let's just do a whole like e-ticket attraction back I here. I mean, hey, we'll we'll talk we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay, we'll let's save get that. into it. What else? What other um, pieces of architecture or landmarks do we see in this pavilion? So before we get to the last thing, I think that something that Disney does well in each of these pavilions is taking um, the natural parts of what you experience, like the vegetation, um, to match the the landmark or the country that you're you're walking through. So there are bonsai trees and a lot of vegetation um, that represent things that you would see in Japan. There's like a whole bamboo garden in the back. 
Um, if you take time to walk behind the pagoda and go up towards where the quick service is, um, it is kind of in the same way that China is. It's a beautiful garden that would be very similar to what you would find in Japan. And um, the time and care that goes into keeping up with these plants and making them be very um, full and luscious in an environment that maybe isn't exactly what they actually grow in. Um, I don't know if Japan has the same level of humidity as Florida does or heat, but they keep all these plants alive. And then I think one thing that is unique to Japan that you would find um, in this area is koi ponds. So, you love and it. they have they have fish in them, like lots of very big koi fish. So you can go and you can see them, and that's something that you can just take your time strolling through and being like, "Oh look, koi pond, yay!" <laughs> <laughs> oh look, koi pond, yay! <laughs> um, I do think I do agree. I think that the vegetation and the way that they um, incorporated landscaping throughout this pavilion is beautiful. It's such a great touch and really makes it feel so immersive, as if you are in the country of Japan. I would love to visit Japan, um, and just being in this pavilion is like just a little taste of it. Yeah. So the last landmark that we have, again, like I feel like more than a lot of the other pavilions, we're able to give you like a specific detail that is represented in this pavilion, but the building in the back is an exact or meant to be a, a replica of something that you can find in Japan. Do you know what that is, Courtney? It is a replica of Japan's Imperial Palace. Yeah, it's the the coronation and ceremonial hall. Obviously, the palace is going to be a lot bigger than what's in the Epcot Pavilion, but it is a representation or a replica of what would be the coronation hall of the Imperial Palace. So I think that that's significant and special that that's what Disney chose to replicate, that it's going to be the place where the emperor is crowned. I feel like out of all the pavilions we've talked about so far, this pavilion has focused the most on replicas or landmarks that you can find specifically in this country. Yeah, I think the closest one after would be Italy. I feel like that's yeah. the one that we've mm -hmm. had the most specific details for. There's one um, that we talked about in Norway and Mexico is pretty broad spectrum. There wasn't like... A ton of specifics for that one um and same with america there wasn't like a it's this building period and yeah. there's a lot of that in um, this japan pavilion which is really neat because if you do go and explore the country of japan you could actually see something like we see in the tiktoks where it's like they have this in epcot <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny yeah i mean there's definitely a lot going on structurally in this pavilion so i think now we should move on to our food and drinks oh we love this section um this is our favorite part of pavilions i mean yeah why why else are you going around the world it's yeah. to eat and drink what I they have to offer feel like we should start from the top like the most expensive thing you can eat okay or experience you can have in this pavilion because it's it's extensive Oh yeah, there's there. I think are way more dining options here than people would imagine that there are. Um, but the first most expensive, most lavish place that you could dine in the Japan Pavilion is pretty new, and it's called Takumi Te, 
and it's what Disney considers signature dining. So it's even a step above table service. There are other restaurants in Disney World like um, the California Grill or Victorian Alberts that are these elevated dining experiences that are high dollar but also um, really great uh, quality of food and dining experience. So tell the people what they can find at Takumi Tei. For the price of $180 a person, you would get a nine-course meal. I don't even understand what a nine-course meal is. How? I Yeah, me either. I mean, is it like soup, salad, bread, and then like that's no the idea. first three? <laughs> like, no idea. What? Like that is like mind-blowing to I'm me. I'm sure that you can find the details of what those courses are. I don't know them. I probably should have looked them up, but That's all right. Nine-course meal. Not, most people don't have a nine eat a nine-course meal on the regular. So, yeah. How would we know? Yeah. And I think the aim of this restaurant in addition to having a culturally specific Japanese dining experience, like we talked about with the pagoda and the different roof levels being different elements they kind of incorporate that same idea into this restaurant so there is a lot of um a a lot of show I guess you would say to your dining experience where they're making sure that they have parts of these different elements that are important in Japanese culture represented as you eat um so I'm sure that there is a video out there of somebody's dining experience if you wanted to see it yourself but yeah I mean it's it's a high dollar high dollar thing but it seems like it's like I mean you're going to be there for a long time and have a lot of food to eat so it might be worth it if you like this type of cuisine I mean I'm thinking about like someone like me who's not an annual pass holder that doesn't visit visit Disney that often. I mean, you don't visit Disney that often either, but you go more because you have an annual pass. If I'm going to Disney and I'm spending my time here in a theme park, am I going to take time to spend all this extra money and all this extra time, because obviously it's a very lengthy meal, to go and sit at this specific restaurant? I don't know if I would. Yeah, I mean, I I'm feel like sure. if I was a local, maybe, like as like a treat. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I feel like in the same way that Disneyland knows a lot of their guests are locals and they plan events, dining, etc. around the fact that locals are going to be the ones that come and enjoy it. Like they have um, like Sweethearts Night that they did for February where there are these special ticketed events that happen one night and it's more realistic for people that live in California to attend things like that than people who are traveling from far places um i think that this is probably geared towards one foodies i mean people who are of course really into food and dining experiences would have their interest piqued by this for sure but to you know the many florida locals that have annual passes and then they have an anniversary or a birthday or something like that and they want to have a elevated experience um that's new and something you really would do one time um i'm sure that that's the target audience here not yeah. a family with you know a five-year-old a seven-year-old and <laughs> yeah and it's uh, like what come in with your mini years on and right. you're like waiting for your next lightning lane like i feel like that's not the vibe for this for type sure of place. So. definitely not the vibe do we know if they have a dress code i'm sure that they do i feel like the signature um the signature dining experiences probably have some form of a dress code like pants and closed-toed shoes 
that kind of thing. But I haven't looked it up. I do not know. Okay. Something um, to, to look up later then. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh, that's obviously a very lavish place that you can eat in this pavilion. The next place you can eat at is more of a hibachi grill where they actually will cook in front of you. And uh, I'm going to be so bad at pronouncing this, but is it Tapan Edo? I think it's Edo. Edo. I think the E is like a E. Okay. Because Edo. I actually ate here on one of my trips last year. I've eaten there several times. Um, but the I'm pretty sure the hostess when she like greeted us was okay. like, Welcome to Tapan Edo. Okay, okay. I don't know. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the restaurant where like on the left it's like the hibachi grill and on the right it's like you can sit down and just have a regular menu and table mm-hmm. service correct correct yes okay there's also um a new part to that other dining area where it's now a sushi bar as well okay um so it that is called the shiki sai and it shikisai. is shiki sai i like that um it is specifically sushi um so i think okay. people have been excited about that for sushi lovers there is actually now a table service that can provide some, yeah, some good sushi. Well, because when I went in May of 2022, we went here. We sat on the table side, not the hibachi grill, and I did have sushi. So okay. at the time, they did have sushi on the menu. I got a shrimp tempura. It was great. We had a little table by the window where we could see the lagoon and the fireworks had started, and it was so perfect. I loved being able to sit there and enjoy that. And so and maybe now the menu is just more extensive when it comes to sushi. Yeah, I... I need to look more um, in depth into it. I wonder if it's like the sushi bar is its own thing or if it's just now that part of the restaurant is called Shiki Sai and it is yeah. maybe more geared towards sushi. I don't maybe. know. I don't know. I should look into it. But if you love sushi, this is a great sp- spot to go. If you love hibachi grills, like they're so fun to watch them cook in front of you. I love all the tricks and stuff that they do while they cook. It's quite an experience. You're not just paying for food. You're paying for the atmosphere and uh, to be able to sit with your family and friends around one of those big tables with the chef in the middle. Yeah, I um, will say that based on maybe experiences you've had at hibachi restaurants outside of Disney, this restaurant runs on like a very fine time-stamped regimen of sorts, I guess you would say, where like if your reservation is at 6 p.m., you go, you sit down, they bring you drinks, they bring you the starter, and then the chef is out and like cooking. Like it is, in terms of my experience, it didn't maybe rushed, like it felt a little rushed. Mm, okay, um, like an abbreviated version of what you would get at your local hibachi grill. Yeah, and it's not it's not that it's not worth it because the show that you get when the chef does come out is one great, the food's great, and it's also Disney-fied. They do little Disney details in there so um, that are cute, but um, it did, like we sat down and um, if you remember my Tron story, from an episode in the past. Oh, yeah. I, I believe story. it's the Beach Club episode. Um, this is the restaurant that we were sitting at, like looking at the clock, being like, oh my gosh, our Tron return time is like now, and we're still sitting here eating food. Um, that was the rush, the hibachi te- <laughs> Tepon Edo, is where we were sitting. There we um, go. 
but yes it's very fun it's fun for like if you have a big group with you when my family goes we are a, a large group and so we fill the whole table sometimes when you're a smaller group that you split the table with yeah. another family so um, depending on how uncomfortable that makes you you know you you might be sitting side by side with a stranger but um, yeah the food is good your classic hibachi you get like the Japanese noodles your meat your veggies um, a salad or a soup to start and um, I believe a sorbet when you're done mm-hmm. um, that's pretty typical of hibachi grills yeah so um, pretty standard but it is fun and if you like a good sit down experience um, I think it's worth it I would also mention the um, place that we were talking about before the other side of the restaurant this is like another Courtney already mentioned it but a fun little tip if you want a good viewing spot for fireworks plan your dining reservation during the like around the firework time you can either sit and see it through the windows or you can go out on the balcony here and just stand and watch it at an elevated view um i think that it's a spot that over the years more and more people start to wander their way up to be able to see over everybody down below but it is a really great firework spot it is and i enjoyed watching it from the table they have large windows and it's just a great view overall so um, that is it for our sit-down or table service um, opportunities for food in this pavilion. Like Caitlin said earlier, there is a quick service. It is the Katsura Grill. And I have never visited this quick service before, but I believe um, in this area you can get just easier options for Japanese food. Yeah, they have ramen back here, which I feel like maybe people who are big ramen fans would like to go and have some ramen, especially maybe during the colder months um, back there. But uh, yeah, it's like rice, veggies, teriyaki flavored meats. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just flavored meats. Come get your flavored meats. um, They do have like tempura shrimp and and that kind of stuff as well. So a good selection back there if you like Japanese food, kind of similar to um, what we saw in China for their quick service where it's pretty traditional what you would expect of of that culture's cuisine but um a great way to experience it get something a little bit different than like a cheeseburger or chicken tenders and french fries um while you are in epcot but yes the the places that you can eat mainly are the ones that we've gone over but there are a couple of other little spots around um the the japan pavilion and i think one of them that is really popular is the kabuki cafe um they have the traditional japanese shave ice it's like a massive thing of shave ice if you're familiar with alani at all they have shave ice out there where they make it in the shape of a mickey i believe they also do this here but it's like right as you enter the japan pavilion um, and then they also have a sake bar that is within the the internal part of the pavilion as well. I forget what it's called, but I know people love their sake. And there's a type of sake you can get here that people say tastes like a Jolly Rancher. Never tried it, but Neither. I do know that for Japan people, that is like when you're drinking around the world, the drink of choice. Yes. So also I see we have down here that you can get frushi. I did not know uh, this is fruit sushi, I assume. Yeah. So frushi is like a really popular flower and garden food item that is only available during flower and garden at the Japan Pavilion. But it is like one of those things that people who have had it or know about it, love it or hate it. And it's popular. And so it's fruit sushi. It's 
coconut rice with fruit in the middle, and then it's wrapped with, like, essentially, like, a fruit roll-up. Oh, cool. I mean, I'm familiar with the sushi donut, mm-hmm. which you typically see during Festival of the Arts, which yeah. is out in the Japan Pavilion, which... More um, of a savory option. Yes, more of a savory option, which is quite a hit for people as well. Um, and then finally, um, for this area, there is a really popular, like, little snack spot in the gift shop um where you can get like japanese specific candies and treats and savory items um i know a lot of people go in these pavilions to buy those international foods um that maybe are grab and go that you can take home with you but you would find it like a world market or an international aisle in your grocery store so um definitely some items to get back here in the Mitsu, so how do you say that? Mitsukoshi. Mitsukoshi yeah. store, which we're going to talk about next because it is a giant store and there are so many Japanese snacks up in here. Yeah, so I can't believe I hadn't had the snacks in Mitsukoshi come to my brain yet, but my dad and my brother, every time we're in Epcot, they go to this store to get specific snacks in Mitsukoshi. And they're always like, oh, we got to go and get the, I believe you pronounce it lychee, lychee, lychee. I think it's lychee. It's essentially, it's a, it's a fruit that is in Japan, I guess. And it's like peach. It's kind of like peach-esque. I would love that. Um, But they have a lot of lychee, lychee, however you say it, um, items in there that they are like obsessed with. And so that's the only place that they can find them and get them. And they're always like, oh, we got to go get the lychee, the lychee candy or, um, <laughs> yeah. or the weird flavor chips. They have like Lay's or Doritos that are like very strange flavors that you don't have in America. So my um, family has gone back in this store several times for the snacks. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about this store because it is massive and there is plenty of stuff to purchase back here um that isn't just food yeah i i believe mitsukoshi is considered a department store in japan i i think that that's how they describe it i don't know if it's like a like a target almost like target has a little bit of everything and it seems like mitsukoshi has Hmm. a little bit of everything um but it is a store that is common in japan and this fun fact is the only one in all of America. That's crazy. Yeah. So obviously Disney is really great at talking with people internationally and pulling strings. There is a Japan Disney Park. So I know they have good relationships with people over in Japan. Um, But yeah, it's the only actual, like, I don't know if you would consider it to be authentic, but the only Mitsukoshi that you would find outside of Japan in the U.S., And there are so many things that you can buy in here. Like you said, it's kind of like a hodgepodge. You can buy snacks. You can buy um, clothing. They have like little bits and bobs. I don't even know how to describe it. There's just like anything you can think of that you could buy that is Japanese, you could buy it in this store. Yeah, they have like a Hello Kitty section, a Pokemon section, a Yogu Go. Yo, yo, mm, it's, that thing. it's slipping my mind, but I know exactly. It's not Dragon Ball Z, but it's I, the other one. Yes. I want to call it Yogu <laughs> Goku, but I don't Yogu know. Yogu Goku. I don't know if that's right. Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. Anyway, that. Um, <laughs> they have all of those Japanese-based IP-related <laughs> items so in there. <laughs> um, you can get a kimono. You can get the Japanese, like, sandals. Um, they, I mean, 
like Courtney said, it's a hodgepodge. There's a little bit of everything in there. Yeah, you could go back there and get lost and find so many different things. Do you know about the pearl thing that's in there? Have yeah, you have I've you witnessed had, that? I have seen it where you can go and they like they will search for a pearl for you in one of the little oysters, and it's like I don't know how much it is, but I have seen it before. Yeah, it's like you pick an oyster and there's a pearl inside, and there are like a bunch of different sizes so you can get lucky and get like a massive one or you get like a tiny one but it's the same price for all of them I think it's like in previous years it's been around $20 but I'm sure it's more now yeah I'm I'm in come on inflation whatever yeah and then (laughs) once you get your pearl you can either just take it as is or they will set it in jewelry for you so fancy yeah so fancy i love it okay so what else or what other attractions of sort i feel like this store is almost an attraction because there's so much to do back there um but there are some other things that you can do as well in this pavilion i would totally consider the store an attraction at this point based on what's already in the japan pavilion this is one of the highlights that's not eating um but there is a kawat like if you are going through mitsukoshi as you come around to the exit that's in the back of the pavilion, there is also a kawaii museum in the back area. So cute. Yeah, the kawaii, I guess is how you would say it. It's like kawaii, but kawaii. That's how um, I was going to say it. Yeah, so, I mean. the, it's considered like cute culture in Japan. And so there's all of these little things that are common and popular in Japan that you can go through and see. Um, and then there's this like big figure in the middle that's made out of a bunch of different items i forget what the significance is but i I do know that what you're talking about and i can't think of the significance either but the picture of it just like popped in my head when you said yeah she's like pink and she's got all these different little things that make her like one figure but anyway it is something um that is worthwhile just to walk through to learn a little bit more about japanese culture and see some cute literally cute things um (laughs) in there so i think that that's one of the other quote-unquote attractions that you'll find in the japan pavilion is there anything else well it's funny because you when you put in parentheses in the notes cute culture i thought you were just being like oh they've got cute cultural stuff back there but it actually means cute culture which i think is hilarious so i just had to throw that in um well what else do we have we have okay so you put down here that there is supposed to be an attraction called meet the world yeah so like a lot of the other pavilions the hope was for there to be an attraction in the back of the chip Japan Pavilion. Japan Chapillion. Wow. I'm getting Delulu over here. Delulu. But yes, just like other pavilions, there was an attraction planned. It was called Meet the World, and it was going to be a replica of an attraction that is in Tokyo. Oh, And so the Disney parks over there had an attraction called Meet the World. And when they were putting it together, the concept based on what I read, maybe wasn't going to be favorable for a lot of guests and it might not be well received, um, particularly by veterans. I don't know why, um, but that was what I had read that um, Disney wasn't sure that the American um, audience was going to receive the the content of that attraction as well as it was received in Tokyo. Um, and so they nixed that idea, but just like everywhere else, they had the space planned and 
prepared for an attraction. So come on, Disney. We're, we're ready for more attractions and World Showcase. Do we know if they filled that space with anything that we presently see now? Or is it like a part of the pavilion that could still have something added to it? I don't know, to be honest. We might need to dig around and see because if there is an empty space for some extra stuff in this pavilion... It's a good place for us to put our ideas. In. Yeah. Let's, so let's keep our fingers crossed that there is just like a massive show building in the back that is empty. Maybe we need to look at a map that will help us for sure. Go- yeah, like Google Maps, not like the <laughs> the Disney Maps because no. they'll they'll keep that hidden. They'll keep that hidden. But if you get into the Google Maps, you might be able to find a little bit of some juicy info there. So okay, I feel like we've covered everything for this pavilion. I think it's time for us to rate the pavilion on a scale of one to ten, and then share what we would add to the pavilion to maybe boost that score yeah and make it higher and make that boost that rating so okay i'm also still forgetting all the ratings that i gave the other countries i'm so bad at remembering these but i think i would give this pavilion like a solid eight can i give it an eight and a half sure okay yeah i was gonna go like somewhere between eight and nine like it's almost a nine for me but It's not necessarily just an eight, so we'll meet in the middle and say eight and a half. Yes, I think what would make it a higher number for me is if it had more of a true attraction. You know, I'm an attraction girly, so for me, like, the drummers, I need more. Like, maybe it's the meet and greet. Maybe it's a full-on e-ticket attraction. Who knows? But that's what I feel like it's missing. I think it needs something. Would a meet and greet at least get it up to a nine for you? I think so, depending okay. on what the meet and greet meet and greet was. Like we talked about Baymax, mm-hmm. we talked about some type of something with elemental characters. I don't know, but I think, like, like you said, the San Francisco angle, Big Hero Six has like I feel like a niche group of fans that if you put it in a pavilion, I think it would help boost the popularity of the movie. I think it would bring in more people to the pavilion it is is already a pretty busy pavilion but i could see it doing really well yeah i think so too i think the challenging thing that we mentioned when we were talking about baymax or anyone from big hero six there isn't any disney character that i'm aware of that is explicitly japanese yeah i mean i would need to go back and do some research on that in case i'm missing something but i i think i agree with you yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure what the closest cultural representation of something like Raya and the Last Dragon is, but I don't know that it's, it's definitely not explicitly Japanese. It's, I think, Asian culture, but I don't know if it leans Indian, if it leans Japanese, if it leans Indonesian. I mean, there's a lot of different regions that somebody like Raya could be representing, um, San Francisco is kind of like an imaginary version of Tokyo or something similar to it. Um, like I mentioned, Avatar, The Last Airbender. I know that's not Disney, but that's also not explicitly from any particular country either. So it makes it a little bit challenging to know what type of attraction you would put in here unless it is, it's not like a, a Disney IP movie type attraction. It's just a Japanese 
culture representation within an attraction kind of like the three caballeros yeah i feel like disney when it comes to the asian culture they typically lean straight china or just in general asia um i feel like that is been what they've done in the past now will that will that be what they do in the future unsure it seems like they may have an opportunity to really go a japanese angle on something and so maybe we'll see that in the future when it comes to disney movies or disney shows yeah, I'd be down. I'd be down too. Gosh, is there anything that you would add as an attraction or put in this pavilion or I guess any last thoughts about Japan? I feel like, um, you know, trying, I I personally like the distinguishing attractions between Disney World and Disneyland. I like it when Disney World has something that it's its own thing and same for Disneyland. So it makes it more enticing or appealing to visit one versus the other. Um, the idea of like Disneyland getting a Pandora and Disneyland having Galaxy's Edge and having all of these mirrored areas where the attractions are the same, the theming is the same, is kind of blah to me. And so. Yeah, it's not original, obviously. Yeah. So the fact that there is a San Francisco area in Disneyland makes me be like. Eh well, I don't want to just take it from Disneyland. I want to go to Disneyland and see it. Even though there's no attraction there, it's mainly food um, and a Baymax meet and greet. Um, But I think if there was a lean from Raya and the Last Dragon that was Japanese, I think you could come up with like a really cool dragon related attraction that maybe isn't specifically Raya. It doesn't, you know, if that's not culturally appropriate to throw you know a random character in there then maybe something that would be i'm sure that there are plenty of things like that that you could do or maybe Um, like a maelstrom type of thing that's more on just like the history of the country i don't know i mean i feel like disney has really been focusing on pushing ip when it comes to these new attractions for to push popularity but it'd be cool if there was like an or like an element-based attraction where like you experience earth wind fire um and the other ones whatever i'm missing um (laughs) water water and void water and void um and so maybe something like that where not necessarily as chill as living with the land but something where like you kind of you know enter the realm of water you enter fire and there's like cool things that happen insert pan flutes from living with the land (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that's that's maybe where my brain goes, but I don't have anything. It's hard when you don't have a specific thing to pull from because I don't know Japanese culture well enough to be like, oh, this thing would be perfect for an attraction. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't really have anything else to say much more about this pavilion. I think it's a great one. You love it. I love it. Um, some things that we'd maybe change, but I think eight, eight and a half is a solid rating mm-hmm. for this pavilion. So I think we wrap things up here and maybe we head to Morocco. Let's do it. If you guys are wanting to see these World Showcase pavilions in person or visit the countries that they are inspired by, you can certainly start planning your perfect Disney vacation with us at the Castle Chat through Magic by Kate. 
we have been able to create our own travel advisor business through Kelly's Magical Vacations, now KMV Travel, and we would love to be able to help you, our listeners, create your perfect Disney adventure. For more information or to start planning, you can go to the link in our bio or find the Magic by Kate page on Instagram. Well, guys, thanks so much for spending time with us today on this episode of the Castle Chat. But for now, we'll leave you what we always leave you with, which is there's a great big beautiful tomorrow out there waiting for you. Go make it magical. See you real soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.